I'm Emily. And I'm Evelyn. And today we're going to be talking about Arrival and the conflict slash debate between science and the military. Right. So uh, for those of you who don't know, because Arrival is a fairly recent movie, um, a bunch of spaceships, 12 spaceships, come down to Earth and just sit there. And on various spots throughout the planet right, and like around the world. China, Russia, I think two spots in the U.S. or just the one? I think it's one. In Montana. In, yeah, Montana. Um, one in Hokkaido, Japan, a bunch of them. And they... Uh, they do just sit there. They do just sit there. Well, they don't even sit on the ground. They like they levitate. levitate. They magically levitate. They're like basically like black egg-shaped spaceships that magically levitate or scientifically levitate <laughs> above the ground. And... Um, have aliens inside. Have them. aliens inside, and they know, and the science, people know that because every 18 hours, a door opens up that allows the humans to go inside uh, fairly safely. Like the, right. it's has like their magic gravity, their gravity, so. their pressure, like their air pressure, right. um, oxygen that they can breathe. So um, it's pretty. I mean. To so, me, it was clear that there it, it didn't seem that it was malevolent at right. all from the beginning. There, there was no attack. Mm-hmm. They didn't even do, except for a little bit later, not seemingly on purpose, they didn't do any property damage. Right. Um, and so the U.S. military brings in a, what is he? He was... He, um, so Jeremy Renner's character plays like a physicist yeah, of sorts. Um, Don't exactly know what kind of physicist. And then Amy Adams' character plays a linguist. Linguist who seems to specialize in translation. Right. Um, and so they're both brought in to figure out what's going on because they can't understand the aliens um, and they want to know why the aliens are there. Right. So the story primarily follows Amy Adams' Uh, and her trying to understand the language and also kind of explains how language is a way to understand other cultures. Um, Well, so there's this, there's this hypothesis or or theory, I guess, that the way that you perceive, like language shapes how you perceive things. Right. Um, Which I think is actually a real, absolutely a real hypothesis. Um, I mean, if you think about how, we talk about uh, or think about like left to right being sort of back to forwards. It's the same way as how we read. Mm-hmm. So the top left, we, we is mm, all romance languages and a lot of other uh, languages. That's where the beginning of our reading is. And so we think of that as the beginning of a page of an area. When we do numbers, we we track it the same way we track it left to right. Um, and so, whereas in Arabic, it's in right Arabic, to left. Right, it's right to left. Um, or similarly, some languages don't have uh, words for some colors, and it's thought, at least, that people who where that's the language that they know actually can't perceive differences between those colors. That's interesting. Um, I read something about that uh, a while ago. There's also those instances of certain words um, that describe very specific feelings right. in languages. Like, I feel like you get that, like, schadenfreude in German. Right. German is, has a lot of them. German has a lot of them. I think a lot of Scandinavian languages right. have those, too, of, de- like, of describing, um, I heard of huga, which is some, I think it's Danish, and it's essentially, like, a feeling of peace or calmness. But it's very specific. Right. And and that's why we often steal words from other languages. Right. Own we. 
There's no yeah. really good English equivalent trong we. Um, and so this is important because it uh, impacts the plot. Yeah. Um, Essentially, like as she's trying, as Amy Adams' character, whose name is like Dr. Louise something, something. Louise. Um, Louise, as Louise is learning their language, she's also learning how they perceive time and how they and, right. and more. Spoiler. So, so now we're going to get to the spoilers. I feel like it's kind of a given that any any movie slash TV show we talk about, there's gonna be spoilers. Right. This is like hardcore spoilers. Yes, it this is. is the entire plot of the movie. So, so basically, throughout the movie, she's having what are thought to be flashbacks to her... From the audience perspectives, her, we think that they're flashbacks. Right, to, of her daughter who ends up dying. And these flashbacks often correspond with things that are going on in the real world um, in ways that I at least found very suspicious until it was shown why. Because um, it seemed like a cheap writing trick. <laughs> but it turns out, it just... Okay. It turns out that she's actually, this is her future child, and she is, is seeing flashes seeing, of her future. Uh, uh, flashes of her future. So as she's um, learning their language, she's learning to see or perceive time in the way that they do. Right, because they they can see the future, basically. They can, they seem to be able to see all of the time. I don't know if it's necessarily seeing. I feel like it's they, living right, all they, at once. They experience all of time. Right. Because at some point near the end, she's asking, why did you come here? Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're saying, basically, we gave, we're giving you a gift. Yeah. Um, which keeps being translated as weapon. Um, and they're saying, we're helping humanity because we need humanity's help in 3,000 years. And then she's like, how do you know that? And that's when all of this is revealed. Um, which, it, I mean, I kind of... It was an interesting way of doing it. It was not what I was expecting. That's um, good. I'm glad that you're yeah, surprised. I like, was definitely surprised. That's pretty rare yeah. for me. That, um, I mean, so also part of it is she, there keep being references to the girl's father mm-hmm. and that she, he left for whatever reason. Um, and so it turns out it's revealed near the end that the father is Jeremy Renner's character. Um, and he leaves because implied because she told him that Their the daughter's daughter gonna, gonna die. die. And um for, and it was a, it was really it, it was well done and she presents this question at the near the end of if you know your entire life, would you change anything? Um, and he says, I would tell people my feelings more or something like that. And so, and then at the very, very end, she is shown to decide to go through with having a child with him, despite knowing her child is going to die of this, whatever, this illness, which is an interesting idea. Right. So that's essentially like the whole, the plot, that's a good plot, a good basis. Yeah, exactly. That's a good like basis for what we're talking about, but it's not the main Mm -hmm. thing that we're talking about today. We're going to be kind of talking about. Um, science and the military and politics and kind of like how those intersect, which I think is super topical right. today. But there was one interesting thing that I kind of feel like is a good place to start related to the language. Um, Louise, the way that she kind of pursues teaching the heptapods is what they're called. The right. heptapods, the language is through like basic like see dog run like yeah or uh, Ian walks Ian walks or stuff like that very basic like kindergarten level words 
Whereas they discover um, the Chinese were choosing to teach um, the heptapods that were on their, in like in their jurisdiction through a game. Mahjong. Thank you. Yeah. And Louise has this really interesting analogy of like, if you try to teach somebody in terms of win or lose, those are the only options that they see, which I thought was pretty interesting. Cause if they, right. if they taught their heptapods through a game, there's only like two outcomes, win, lose, which essentially kind of like makes your entire relationship based off somebody triumphing over the other. Right. Um, so which is a very militaristic way of thinking. They start really talking about this when it's revealed that the, I have to say to the Chinese, something about a weapon. Right. Um, and the Chinese freak out about this. And and her immediate response is it's not, they're not necessarily talking about a weapon. They're talking, but it can be a tool. It can be an instrument. But she uses the chess analogy of, if you're playing a chess game, there's winner and loser. And so everything is a weapon in that case. And so, um, and then if all you show is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, Um, which is an interesting point of, um, and just sort of in general, when we communicate with each other, how much is lost or, or how much is shaped by the lack in our language, uh, of the ability to express certain ideas um, or certain nuances, um, or how much, if we have 10 words for weapon and one word for tool, do we err on the side of using weapon because it's what we have more words mm-hmm. for? Um, which, it's an interesting question, Um it's hard to it's hard to yeah. run like a scientific experiment on yeah. this, but yeah. it's a it's an interesting question. I'm, I'm sure we're like linguists are, like are pursuing that question. I right. feel like for these episodes, we need to kind of start doing like lit reviews for, <laughs> right. for them. Like, what is the current like academic literature yeah. and what is it saying? You know, um, maybe maybe for the future. Right. So so another sort of other plot point that we didn't really mention in our. Yeah. scattered plot summary <laughs> it was um once this weapon idea shows up with the chinese um they break off communication with the aliens go they're trying to split us up and with other countries uh, well right first with the aliens they declare war on the aliens and then break off communication with everyone else yeah um the the russians follow suit sudan follows suit and eventually even though, and, and Louise ends up talking to the aliens, and they say, she asks, what's your purpose here? And they say, give weapon. Um, and she she's basically like, that can mean a lot of things. Um, and so all of these countries, because one escalates, all of the other ones escalate, and so they stop talking to each other. And she's arguing we all need to keep talking to each other. Like we're really close to having an answer. If we just have everyone check with their own alien, then we'll get an answer. And the military people are going, that's not how it works. Right. Um, which is, and, and they, the world gets fairly close to, right. There close. is, there is the one incident um, that there are like a couple of rogue soldiers mm-hmm. in the U on the U S base um motivated by like concern for their survival well, their family well, like also here the um, alex jones equivalent 
There's a there's what? a guy on so one of the soldiers <laughs> oh, is listening that's to right. a an online rant about how we need to show a force of our, our strength that's before right. they do it. Right. And then that's one of the soldiers who they blow up. They attempt to blow up the aliens. The, the aliens. Right. And actually kill one of them. Yeah. Um. And so and then all of the ships sort of retreat mm-hmm. and close off nobody knows what's going on yeah Um, and they start and basically they like change position in a way that is like i think supposed to look aggressive like or could or could be aggressive right well to me it looked like they were shielding themselves that's you one of them assuming there are two on every ship one of 24 just got killed Mm -hmm. it's a pretty high well yeah well i think but it appears aggressive exactly human exactly i think well I think even just like their very presence is aggressive right. to people who do think in right. terms of win or lose rather than trying to understand. Right. And there's there's this idea presented of um, a non-zero sum game. Yeah. Where so a zero sum game is basically it, it averages out to zero. If if someone gets one point, the other person by definition, gets negative one. And so there's always a winner and there's always a loser. A non-zero sum game is where both people can get one point. One per- they can help each other and both win. Right. And so part of this is humans tend to view things as a zero sum game. Yes. Especially politically and especially militarily. Yeah. This is this is a, a big idea in international relations is um you have to be stronger than the other guy because if you are not stronger, you have lost. Right. And so that's sort of, they view the aliens that way too. If, if they are better than us, if they are attack, if they are a threat to us, we have lost. And so we need to be a threat first. And there's no real concept within the military, at least of this idea of, Maybe they want to help us. Right. Because, and like, because the military's first priority is to protect the United States, which right. I get. Right. However, I think, and I, I think this whole idea of the zero sum game versus a non zero sum mm-hmm. game and a bunch of other different like worldviews, right. those are very like hotly debated in international relations. And I don't think that they're debated enough in the military and in politics. Right. Um, so I, the way I see the sort of science military conflict here is in two places. Mm-hmm. It's that idea of whether or not you can have a non-zero sum game, and then there is the sharing of information. Right. So this is a big issue in general. And believing the information right. in general. Right. But this is a big issue in general within sort of the scientific community of. In general, scientists share their information. There's, there's peer review. There's shared in journals. This is like how the scientific community works. But with classification and with military projects, whatever, you end up with all this information that isn't shared. Um, and this shows up in a lot of other shows and movies and stuff um, to varying degrees. Um, and so to me, those are sort of the big two issues Absolutely. where and in both cases, in this movie, the scientists are right, mm-hmm. um, where it's it's not a zero-sum game, 
and we would benefit from sharing I, information. Right. They only they only stop the world from basically dissolving into war because she shares information. she shares information that with, she's not supposed to with the Chinese, right? With the Chinese, um, and so it's a it's an interesting idea, and it mirrors a lot of other like I've seen a lot of like B movie. Uh, catastrophe movies okay. where there's always like the military people and there's always that yeah. one scientist who's like you're all idiots. It's a very common divide, right? Because um, it's a very easy divide. One one difference in this is in a lot of those catastrophe movies and a lot of alien movies, the aliens actually are a threat, um, and they may not. The scientists often have good ideas, but usually in the end, the threat is not coming from inside the inside the world Mm -hmm. in this movie the thing i found really interesting was there was no point in time when the aliens actually posed a threat to the people of earth or threatened the people of earth Mm -hmm. they never they were never aggressive Mm -hmm. and so all of the threat of violence came to humans came from humans and that's different from a lot of that's different from almost every movie I've seen with right. this sort of plot. And that was what I found interesting was, like, the military, the biggest threat to the military and from was from the military. If the world was going to end, we were going to do it to ourselves. Exactly. Um, That's also, like, I think Which that, is interesting. Well, I, I think that message was, I think, done on purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and of... I mean, it was pretty bleak. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to like work through this, like of the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of talk about this was because of like how pertinent it is to today. Like we just had the March for science um, and how the climate March and the climate March. Yeah, absolutely. And like how our politicians, at least this current administration and um, even the military sometimes ignores the very pressing matters of the time. And if I was just watching Bill Nye, the science guy, his new show, and he was just talking about climate change. And honestly, like climate change has such major effects on the population Mm -hmm. to the point where like eventually we will see like military involvement over the results of climate change. We probably already have. Right. So, so Yemen is actually the clearest example. They're in a huge drought. Well, they're in a huge drought. So so for those of you who don't know what's going on in Yemen, um, it's very complicated. Basically, uh, the Houthis attacked the main government mm, like five years ago, six years ago. This was, I think, early 2010s. Um, I don't know the exact date. Took over the government. Uh, they So the Houthi government is operating out mm. of the capital of Sana'a. And then the... I think the Hadi, the the president's government is operating out of a port city, um, and so there's basically two uh, functional, to some degree, governments operating simultaneously and in opposition to each other in Yemen, uh, along with Al Qaeda. But the other issue in Yemen is they're going to run out of water in the next couple of years, um, and so when that happens. There is no, like, when you run out of water, you can't just magic water into existence. And so we will basically end up with the entire population of Yemen 
either dying or leaving. And that is going to be a huge, huge issue. Right, because we've already seen with Syria that when you have huge migrations of people, it causes a lot of problems. It causes a lot of problems and a lot of people die. Exactly. Um, And so that's the most obvious example. Um, California obviously has problems. A lot of other places have problems. But Yemen Yemen is one of the biggest I think that's, that's definitely an obvious example, but that's just like the the example like that's present like that that's currently happened i'm sure there's a lot of other stuff like bangladesh is like slowly be not slowly quickly being like submerged underwater but right. um right a lot of a lot of i mean when when hurricanes are hitting more frequently right. in parts of the united states so new jersey for example um hurricane sandy wiped out the majority of the barrier islands mm-hmm. which means that the next hurricane to hit will be even stronger because the barrier islands are gone and so things like that one large weather event escalates the damage yeah. from the next things one. compound onto each other right. and basically it's like things that we're seeing in yemen or new jersey or bangladesh like these things are going to continue to happen and on a greater scale and eventually right. the mil- like and the fact that we have scientists literally just like shouting like to the wind, like being like, please mm-hmm. do something about this. And they're not getting a response. And eventually we're going to, ha- we're going to have to see military involvement to make up for just like the human catastrophes that right. occur because there's no water or no food or whatever. So right. like this, that's why this movie, I, really, I just, I really appreciate it because it's like basically yelling, listen to the scientists because they will save us from disaster. I also liked the fact that even though it was the military running the show, the military did not do any good. So, so all of the violence that happens is, well, either people outside, there's a lot of shots of riots and stuff, Mm -hmm. but all of the violence otherwise happens is human on human. Yeah. And it's not something that you usually see. And I, I thought that that was an, just, in general, it was an interesting portrayal of, like, sometimes it's peaceful. Right. You never get that. And I thought it was interesting. Overall, did you like the movie? I did, yeah. It was, I'm it, glad it surprised you. It was very, very different from what I was expecting to watch. And that's... Um, that's pretty rare for movies, so I appreciated that. I wasn't a huge fan of some of the cinematography. Oh, see, I really like the cinematography. I just found it very difficult to see people's faces. Interesting. I mean, it may have just been how I was watching it, but like... Oh, because they would do stuff from the... Or they would have a lot of dark shots, where you just like couldn't... Like, I liked liked a lot of the cinematography, but the fact that like, they had a lot of just dark gray shots where I couldn't see what anyone's facial expression was, I was like, this is Right. Silly. But yeah, as a movie, I did enjoy it. Yeah. And you seem to enjoy it. I love it. This is like, I, I watched it twice in theaters and then my dad was here this past weekend and we watched it again. So oh, yeah. I, cause he had never seen it and he had very similar responses. He really appreciated it. Um, but anyway, uh, if you guys have any questions or comments about this episode, or if you have any requests for future episodes, you can find us at popculturedpodcast.wordpress.com. There's a contact button there. You can fill out a form and, and get in contact with us. Next time, we'll be talking about the threat of Guantanamo Bay in crime shows. Thanks for listening, and this has been Pop Culture.